0: was a slight on my honor so he deserved it but we're talking about the most brilliant mind this world has ever seen see 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 that was the music
1: that was the music that was the
0: music that was a start I thought that was a pre music to the music that's interesting but that was, I, 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 started, I was I was hypnotized welcome to the show that was it that was the most awkward start ever <laughs> good afternoon and good day konichiwa welcome if you are indeed coming back to this pod chat I would be shocked but happy but I'm glad you're back this is episode number six of my 15 minutes podcast well, we usually run closer to a narcissistic half hour. From America's heartland, Scottsdale, Arizona, Bob Kubota, a stand-up comedian and gumflapper, kicking the tires of perception, consensus reality, groupthink, belief, conspiracy, and anything else that fails to explain itself adequately. Hi, Rob. How we doing? I'm all right. Hi, Shirley. Hello. Hi, Tony. Hello, Bob. Thanks for letting me use your equipment again. This is really, <laughs> really wonderful of you.
1: We always enjoy it when other men use our equipment. Well, I know.
0: See, that's a, it's, it's a progressive day and age, isn't it? It is. We get to share each other's equipment yeah. without judgment. Yeah. Without any kind without of... Without shame. Without pointing and laughing and yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, uh, hey, well hey, we're going to talk about... Uh, well, we're comedians. Let's talk about comedy today. Let's answer some questions about comedy. Uh, first question is, uh, you know, a question that... A lot of question, uh, comedians ask. So, what do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, no, people ask me a lot of questions. So you get a lot of questions about comedy. You've been in comedy for a while. I have. Uh, first off, let me ask you
1: have you, um, have you uh, had an opportunity to uh, read. Uh, any of uh, Rich Scheider's new book uh, Kicking Through the Anches? I
0: see it's out there. I see the title being tossed about. It's moving up to the top of the New York Times bestseller. They're going to make a uh, some sort of a motion picture. I don't know what they're going to do with it.
1: <laughs> it's a good book. Yes, so, it is. Uh, uh, All the stories are wonderful. Yeah, and it, it does answer a lot of, a lot of comic questions. And, uh, well,
0: that's it. Well, then we don't have that kind of we don't have the we don't have like documentary time to answer these questions. Let's no. Answer them off the top of our head. The questions that most people are burning to ask. Okay, they never ask, but we assume they're sort of like um, sure. How come they always say this? You know that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, but well, first of all, uh, people. Uh, another question. It's like, first of all, how do you stay in comedy once you get in comedy? I don't know the answer to that. You know, I don't know how to stay working. I don't know how to stay booked, and I don't know how to stay making money. But once you're in, you're in. That part I know about comedy. You know, at what point people want to know? What at what point do they get to call themselves a comedian? Mm. What what point? How many times you have to do it? How many laughs have you had had? How many uh, pats on the back? Uh, how many untold hundred dollar bills were tucked in your pocket?
1: You know, it's kind of a weird gig where it's kind of like um, um you know if you if you were a director you, you know that's that's something. That's a, like a legal title if you're a film director. Right. Uh, if you're a screenwriter, it's like a legal title. Producer is not a legal title. Right. right? That's why, it, that's one right. of those titles you can really get, like somebody can bring, uh, some friends of mine came to me not too long ago, can you get us next to this actor? And I said, yeah, probably to go. If, we, if you do, we'll give you a producer credit hmm So you that you can do that with producer and so right. so you get you, you
0: can, into the game, yeah, get yeah. you a title. You can you can and go and in it's, uh, you're certified. Yeah,
1: I I I read a story about a guy one time who was a movie producer and he goes, Here's how I became a movie producer. He goes, I went to a Hollywood party, I saw Eric Roberts and I walked up and goes, I have a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar check that I'm mm-hmm. gonna give to you. That will commit you to my movie, mm-hmm. and that made him a producer. Right, he didn't have a script or anything. Okay, but then he was able to go tell people, "I got Eric Roth." Less true
0: perception is reality, and yeah. if you just get one or two people to bite on that, oh, there's that guy. He he has mm-hmm. the goods, and then boom, you're off to the races.
1: I find in my in my day to day business dealings here in uh, the greater Phoenix area, sometimes I'll be talking to someone about something totally unrelated, I mean, insurance or or uh, uh, landlord stuff, mm-hmm. and. Um, and they'll know what business I'm in. And they go, oh, I have a friend who's a comic. Mm-hmm. And I'll go, really? And they'll tell me. They go, well, he's done it once. Mm-hmm. But in their mind's eye, he's a comic because right. they saw him on stage. Sure. So, right.
0: Exactly. And that and the one person can realize, well, that was terrible. That's not a comedian. And the other person goes, I saw you on stage. They're, you're a comedian. You're a comedian. And, and, comedian. It, and that's perception right there. And then yeah. when that person runs down the
1: hall, that guy's a comedian. That guy's a comedian. You're a comedian to those okay. people. So let me ask you the question. In, what, in your mind's eye, when is someone a comedian?
0: I don't know. I'm still trying Well, I mean, I know it's, uh, oh I know, I do have a definition for that actually. Okay. First of all, it's not the first time you kill, because a lot of guys in comedy kill the first time that they get up on stage, the audience loves them, they think they're natural and then they go, and then the next 20 times they eat it. Mm-hmm. You know that one. Did you kill the first time you
1: went up on stage? Well, no, the first time I went up there was uh, two people.
0: It was two people? Yeah. Oh, 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 okay, well, but did, 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 did you uh, do well with the two people?
1: I, you know what? I walked off feeling good. Oh, okay. Okay. See, right. So, but it was just, and I walked off feeling good because I'd actually done it. I'd actually went mm. to a comedy club and sat there and watched mm. a bunch of acts. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was on a Monday right. night at the sure. old Laugh Factory. The old when the Laugh Factory was a little place on the Sunset. Well, thing. it
0: only held two people, so it was a full know, house.
1: And it was the guy who uh, the guy gotcha. who drove me down. My buddy Eric Snyder, who owns a restaurant in Las Vegas now, sure. and the girl who was the good. manager. I, but there was maybe one other person. I seem to remember two people in the audience. But it was that walk onto that... It's not like I hadn't been on stage before. Sure. I'd been sure. Doing, doing theater for a long time. Right,
0: right, right. Yeah. Well, the same thing with me. is like I had been doing magic tricks and stuff when I was yeah. a kid. So I was sort of used to performing for people. But my first open mic or first time was like at the old Finney Bones. If you remember the old Finney Bones here in Phoenix. My first paid professional well, gig. Well, there yeah. you go. Uh, again, not much bigger than a broom closet, right? Yeah, not much bigger. No. You could cram. Uh, it was a broom closet. You, you could cram ninety people in there on a on a huge night and uh, that kind of thing. But yeah, it was really great and tight and intimate. And I remember it going very well too. And that that's what I blame. I blame that singular experience for messing up the rest of my life, making bad decisions since then, thinking everything's going to feed into this this glory success <laughs> machine of comedic mirth and merriment but you know that many years later you realize that was i was fooled on that day
1: well I, no i don't think you were fooled oh, okay. you're, you're a funny guy you're a funny person <laughs> i think there's a trajectory if you've been in it for a while uh when you start sky is literally the limit right you know there's uh, uh and uh, there's no journeyman apprenticeship then there's you no find the, out
0: it's just the first cloud is the limit it's not really the sky
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I mean, you, you can you, you go along for a while, and you go from open mic to uh, sure. longer uh, sets to mm-hmm. getting paid, Right. and then all of a sudden right. you're. In my case, what happened was um, I got a paid gig. I, I was working as a bartender at two bars in Los Angeles and doing making pretty good dough for the time. Mm-hmm. And I got a paid gig. I told the club, mm-hmm. I, I got to have the night off, the week off. They were they had no problem with it. There was plenty of guys who wanted to take my. Bar shifts temporarily because they were pretty lucrative. Mm-hmm. And uh, then a few weeks later, I got like f- uh, a few months later, I got like a four, or four, six-week tour. And the bars were okay with it. Mm-hmm. And then that fall, I got like an eight-week tour. When I came back, they said, you don't work here anymore. And, and so then... Then
0: you knew it was official.
1: And then I knew it was official. When you
0: got fired from your day job because you were doing too much. That makes it official.
1: And then I went, okay. You and that, are a comedian. Yeah. And I was smart enough when I was on the road to go, it wasn't so smart enough because I'm sitting there with a bunch of comics like in a condo or in a... Hotel, we're hanging out, and I go. Let me give you the number of this guy. This guy would like you. So to give me numbers of these booking agents,
0: the, right, right. The sharing of the book, the yeah. sharing of the bookers. That's yeah. a huge step. Yeah. When somebody opens up the book and shares numbers with you, yeah. You're pretty much you're three quarters in the door.
1: And then you're making that call. That's or huge. Some guy like who I am now. Because nobody will yeah. tell
0: you anything usually.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I go, hey, how you doing? And you, and you know you want to talk fast for the hang up. Hey, how you doing? Is this uh, is this uh, Randy? Uh, Randy Jimson. Hey, Randy, uh, you don't know my name, Tony, I'm a comic. Randy Jimson. <laughs> <laughs> I just.
0: <laughs> I work for him. <laughs> Three <laughs> and, weeks. <laughs>
1: uh, you know, uh, uh, Bob Cabota gave me your number. I said I should give you a call. You could call Bob and ask him Bobby. Anyway, look, I'm open. Uh, I, I I actually have some openings uh, between mm-hmm. now and the rest of my life. <laughs> <And> <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, uh, you know how I got a lot of work uh, at that time was once I was on the road. I would look for clubs within a 500 mile radius. I wanted to work. Like if I was in Chicago, I'd look in Cleveland, well, that's Cincinnati. Smart. And if they were, if they were, if they had a show on a, a night that I was off, mm-hmm. like on a Tuesday or Sunday or something, I would drive down and do a guest set.
0: Well, let's see. Well, that's also shows why certain people a lot of funny people come out of certain parts of the country you go wow they just came out of nowhere and they're just amazing well a lot of pockets a lot of the pockets of circuits in this country are very regional and some are very densely built and some are very like where we live it's very scattered there's large distances in between opportunities And back in the Midwest or somewhere or in the East Coast where those small, concentrated states up in the Northeast where there's millions of gigs, but you're always within two hours of driving time. Yeah, yeah. You can get really good in obscurity, but then when you do not be obscure anymore, you got the goods, you know, and I think that's something that's sort of. When I started, it was more like that. It's not like that so much anymore, and so it's harder to develop at a fast pace. You can still be very funny, but you still need the trips to the plate, as it were, to hone your swing, you know? And that's what's missing around here. And in other parts of the country, people are busy like every night. You know whether yeah. you're getting paid or not, but there's something going on almost all the well, time. You
1: can be busy every night here, but uh, w- one of the things that I tell uh, you
0: yes, know, you can be busy, young artists,
1: but you, but it, it, sometimes it's bad busy.
0: Right, it's counterproductive busy lots yeah. of the time. I've noticed, and that's why I, you know, I don't have an attitude against all of the open mics and that kind of thing. It's just it's hard to hard to construct what you're trying to construct from within that melee.
1: It's hard to tell a young comic, I'm going to book you once a month. But in the nights I don't boogie, you should be here hanging around, right? Because yeah. this is this is the culture you should be absorbing. Mm-hmm. But what they'll do instead is, and, and I kind of this kind of makes sense, but kind of they're going to go down to you know uh, uh, Max's Steakhouse, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the West Valley, and do their own Tuesday night. The problem, look, when I started, when you started, uh, uh, I was going up at the Laugh Factory, and I was hanging out at the Melrose Improv. So I'm in there watching
0: Club Dropper.
1: In, yeah, but I mean, if those were the clubs in my neighborhood. I know. I lived on had. Hollywood Boulevard. Of course it's, you can go those clubs. But because of that, I would go in there, even when I wasn't being booked at the Melrose Improv going, someday I'm going to be booked here. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching guys working on their Tonight Show sets. I'm working, right. watching guys working on their television set. So that's who you're being exposed to. That's
0: right. We were exposed to almost like pure gold. I mean, that's who we were working with right away, yeah. even as openers and features or whatever. Sure. You're the guys on top or those guys.
1: Yeah, so even nowadays, some of the guys, because of the plethora of clubs in the city, what you've got is you've got some some artists that are still really not fully developed who are closing clubs.
0: That's a, a phenomenon that, that'll always happen. There will always be times of that, but now it's more so than ever.
1: Yeah, so... Um, you know, I go in and watch at the Melrose Improv, and I'd be sitting there watching. I'd watch Leno and Dennis Miller and yeah. and uh, uh, Robert Townsend and Rick Overton and Rich Scheidner right. and and Paul Reiser. That's and, right. the, and Paul that's, Reiser's got some. Kids. And, He's and got then some eventually, you're He's
0: yeah, a very funny man.
1: You're put on that lineup. You're put on at one yeah. o'clock in the morning. You know, but you're on that lineup. You go in and look at on the chalkboard. There's Paul Reiser's name. There's Jay Leno's name. Right. There's your name. One o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. But you still, you're on. You know, you're on that. Mm-hmm. So. Um, here, if it's a bunch of, sometimes it's a bunch of third graders talking to third graders. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they never get past the third grade. Yeah. But, you know, that's just... That's me.
0: kind of an interesting philosophy there. If you're taught by a third grader, you're never going to get past the third, third grade. grade. Yeah, and so... I you like that. Yeah.
1: Wow. So that's the issue. There's no mentor. So I had mentors. You had mentors.
0: I didn't have mentors, though. I didn't. You kind of did. I, I look back and I realize I didn't. Well, if I did, yeah. I wasn't accepting them for their maximum... I mean, for what... A mentor can do for I wasn't understanding it correctly if that were the case mentors are very important by the way if you can hook on to somebody who's going to teach you what's right what's wrong and it's not necessarily going to get you there quicker but you're gonna understand how to get there quicker uh, that's a huge thing and you will see that most of the many six if you look at say like outliers or Malcolm Gladwell or anybody like that most of the successful people had some form of mentorship some form of uh, something that was done for them that was not done for the rest of the pack. And that's usually how outliers become outliers. Yeah. It's not strictly that they're more gifted than you. It's not strictly that they have more better DNA or better ability than you. They just had some little subtle opportunities. And we can name guys right in the business of comedy who are outliers. We can name guys who have done extremely well, but we know exactly why they did extremely well. And we can actually pin it down to a time and a moment and an opportunity that not everybody would get.
1: Yeah. I mean, you had, you know, when I think, I had two mentors coming up. I had, uh, primarily I had Rich Scheidner and I had Danny Mora. You know? well, those are good ones. And, so yeah, those and, are yeah.
0: people in the business, well-versed in the business. knows how the business runs. When I started, my friends were my, again, I was being taught by third graders. Yeah. Because we were all in third but grade. But you,
1: you were a pretty talented group of third graders. I mean, True, but again. And Randy Kagan and David Spade. But let's
0: look at this town. Let's look at the comics that came out of this town versus the comics that they came out of Denver. Look at the difference there in terms of impact, in terms of legends, in terms of, I mean, we have David Spade. But again, I consider him an outlier.
1: Yeah, you know, for
0: the way his opportunity and his career took off, it did not go down the traditional path that the rest of us had to try to be. And even then, he's not even considered one of us. He's not even. I mean, we know he's from Arizona, but we don't look at David Spade and go Arizona comic. Nobody does that.
1: Yeah, possibly. You know
0: what I mean? It just not doesn't seem to have. Do, Do you
1: think people look at Roseanne and
0: think Denver comic? No, but at the time they did. When she was coming up, she definitely was. Well, she
1: spent more time in that scene than David. I met David in the uh, late 80s. Right. Well,
0: he was so young when he left. Yeah.
1: We uh, shared a condo uh, when we were in the Orange County uh, Improv. And uh, uh, I was the opening act. He was the feature. Rita Rudner was the headliner. Mm-hmm. And I actually had a He conver- would still be the feature act. He would still be. At the, times. Yeah. yeah. And, he, and he said, look, for some reason, he was just asking people. And he goes, "He goes, hey, can I talk to you? And I go, yeah. He goes, um, "He goes, hey, um, they're all starting to offer me a lot of stuff. Right, you know, and he goes, right. and and he goes, I don't know if you should do this or that. So they have a long conversation. At some point, I don't know what I was saying. He goes, okay, yeah, thanks, got it, thank you. And he got up and left. It was uh-huh. like he had heard whatever he wanted to hear from me and moved on. Uh-huh. So he kind of moved to Los Angeles and then sure, and it was he had a look, you know, and he had a vibe. Well, of,
0: uh, yeah, we all get why, you know, we understand why, yeah. we understand what his ability was, all of that. But I'm just saying he's an outlier. You can't follow that that. Path and expect that this is going to work out for you in sure. that sense. There's no, there's no prescription. Was, uh, the way was Jeff he did Jenna
1: it. like a mentor to you? Well, yeah, I mean he is,
0: and would yeah. be, except I didn't have a lot of time, or we didn't live in the same place. I knew yeah. him. We worked together occasionally, but we never. We wasn't wasn't a day to day hangout kind of thing. Me or anybody really. That's the thing. But again, that could be my own. You know, social, you know, uh, misfitism or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, but then again, I was never comfortable. I was never comfortable for many years hanging out with guys that were above me or trying to get advice for them or even want to be around them. I didn't want them to, you know, I don't want to get in their hair or get in their way or anything like that. So I just started, I, I'll figure it out myself. You know, I'll figure it out myself. You know, 25 uh, years later, I'm like, eh, I'm still trying to figure this I, out. You know I can't what I mean? can't figure this out. I can't try to figure this out. And somebody, it's like in golf, they go, hey, all you need is a golf pro to go, just tuck your elbow in a little bit. Yeah. Then suddenly, you know what I mean. But if you can't see it, nobody—you can't tell yourself that.
1: Uh, you know what's really important too is not only that when you're a mentor, but later on, yeah. when you're achieving a certain level of success or, mm-hmm. or you're on that path that right. you need someone then to go. Fame
0: does not mean you're a comedian either, Rob. Mm. You, it's fame doesn't mean anything. In fact, the less famous you are, the more comedian you are sometimes.
1: Yeah, yeah, because they move away from it. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like uh, have you done stand-up?
0: You have? Yeah. Okay. Great. What's his experience level like?
1: He's um, he's kind of like it's a little, like he's a, he's a fun, he's a funny guy. He's at the beginner level. Mm-hmm. You know he uh, mm-hmm.
0: brought, he doesn't. Apply. So this conversation's perfect. He for doesn't you.
1: he doesn't Do apply know? him. He doesn't take the opportunities offered to him nor apply himself. So uh, oh well then he's so really he's a, a comic. Really he doesn't comic. apply himself. Yeah.
0: He's lazy. Yeah. He's I great. mean look
1: at Ray Romano. A lot of times w- once you reach there, if you get that sitcom or you get that movie career mm-hmm. you kind of stop doing stand up because the the issue with stand up is. On any given night, you can bring your career to a screeching halt. That's correct. Kind of like what Michael Richards did. That's right. Where you bring it to a screech that you right. can't come back from. Right. So if you're on a sitcom, if you're gonna, yeah,
0: you got to do it Andy Dick style, so you can keep coming back a little bit.
1: Yeah, just be just be some uh, right. a, a horrific creature, right. a subhuman of sorts, on a regular basis. You go, well, that's just Andy. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. You can never become beloved and then show them that you have warts.
0: So uh, does a TV
1: credit make you a comic? I think for a lot of us, it, I know that it kind of validated me. I was headlining a lot of clubs, I was featuring a lot, you know, I was working full time as a comic when I got my first TV credit, I didn't get a ton of them. When I got it, it validated me. I didn't feel validated, you know, I don't know, what, I can't explain it. When I did my first uh, uh, TV, uh, I, it was an evening at the Improv, when I did it I went, okay, now, because it, it was starting to get kind of weird, because a lot of people were getting credits. And now you're trying to get booked into clubs. You go, "What are your credits?" You go, uh, "Well, I've been on this radio show and I did this and I've worked this club." And I go, uh, "Any TV?" And you go, mm. "And I had done a couple things before I went on the East Coast. I became an East Coast comic, even though I lived on the West Coast."
0: Right, but you have an East Coasty kind of persona.
1: Well, some of my first gigs were in the East Coast when that book got opened oh, by other comics. Yes. I was getting phone numbers. Yes, I was getting all East Coast phone right, numbers. Right, I had Rick right. Messina's number, uh-huh. Sandy DePerson's number. Numbers you shouldn't have had. Yeah, Brad Greenberg's number. How did
0: you get this number?
1: <laughs> I know. I and so from the top, from Maine all the way and all the way down into almost into Florida. Then I got a guy named Bob Shoemaker's and I sure. literally would. Oh, fly. I did. I
0: did one. Of, yeah. I did a shoemaker gig early on. Sure. And,
1: and I work all the way up to go the East home Coast.
0: We wanted to go back and cut the stilts off his house.
1: Anyway, I know. Well, that was always a weird thing with, with uh, his gigs, where it was uh, uh, you were staying in really cool condos. The money was always a little weird.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, not there as in weird. <laughs> As in we had to go back and get it. We, you had, you had that's why we wanted you, to cut the legs did, off his you house. You did
1: have to go back and get the
0: money. <laughs> but you were, sta- you were
1: standing in these – I remember working Me and for – George Cantor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I remember I was working for what was below my quote at the time, you know. But uh, I was standing in these super cool fucking condos and houses. No, I know. They on were, the water. Yeah, right, in right. And right in the heart of resort That's town. what sells you. Kind of like uh, the uh, condo that uh, the comedy store has in La Jolla. Right. It's right there on, like, the Magic Beach. Or the first time you went to work Hawaii. Yeah, I never worked Hawaii.
0: Bah, well, the first time you go, you're going, well, this can't, they can pay you a nickel.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know. So that was the Shoemaker thing in Florida. Not Craig. You know, Craig Shoemaker booked a gig at the time. He booked um, uh, a comedy club in Washington, D.C., and I worked it. Wow. Yeah,
0: in DC. In, in,
1: in DC, Craig shoemaker booked a place. Interesting. I forget the name of it, but it was uh, it was uh, uh, right above a strip joint on K Street, uh-huh. and it wasn't a seedy strip joint because it was a uh-huh. uh, it was a, a Washington D.C. strip joint oh, right see. on K Street, where all the lobbyists had their uh-huh. offices. And and then uh, the owner told me he goes, I actually own both of these, but I don't tell people. He owned the strip ju- strip joint and the comedy club. Oh, well, again, and, Craig, and Craig
0: booked again, it. Again, and that's a winning combination. You really can't winning lose com- it that. And then combo. run
1: up to New York and work for Messina, uh-huh, and then uh-huh, other people, and uh, uh-huh. then fly home.
0: Uh-huh. So, should all women quit comedy?
1: Should all women... Should all
0: women quit comedy? I'm just starting to... Uh, I'm just trying to... Why would you ask I'm me that to, question? I'm trying to conflate the men are funnier than women <laughs> argument. Oddly enough, I, which I don't think so. I'm it's glad ridiculous. you brought
1: that up because next Friday at 7.30, one show only, at the Tempe Center for the Arts. It's a fantastic show entitled All the Single Ladies. This is 10 fabulous funny comics who happen to be female featuring from Laughs TV, Kirsten Alberts, and okay. very special guest, Gert the Joke Lady.
0: So no... Uh, so yes, women are just as funny as men. Let's move on. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. No, no. Ma- well, that, but see, that's never been my. belief. funny. That's never been my belief because some of the best. There's not a whole. That maybe numbers-wise might be different, but there's just as many great female comedians as there are, per, you know, per, per capita, per square. Pound. There weren't as
1: many when you and I were on the road. It was like Diane Ford was like the only like. There was only a couple of uh, Jenny Jones that went and headlined a few. Well, clubs. I'm not.
0: Uh, this, there are w- definitely women that worked these clubs, like plenty of guy comics that work these clubs that I don't look at and go, "Well, there's the legend right there." I'm, yeah. But it's, it's, I'm just saying there weren't that but, many. Well, but there was Paula Poundstone and there was Paula? Rita Rudner and there were the, yeah. you know, these people, Elaine boozler and these. People, and again, you can. Uh, you're, yeah, Diane. Ford but the Rita, brother.
1: Rita, and Paula didn't but. really weren't out really like working hard on the circuit. You True. Know, the, way, the, the way Diane Ford was, Diane was True. Up, Diane was staying in the condo. Right. You know right. what I you Gotta mean? give her a lot of credit for that. Yeah. She. I mean. She, Any
0: female comic. You gotta give credit. Yeah. For, for that.
1: Where I think for Rita and for Paula and uh, yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah. Rita was always seemed like a very, uh, you know, yeah, very dilettantish. Yeah. It, it was it nice was, lady. Yeah. It, very nice. Wife.
1: Yeah. Very and very funny. Yeah. You know, and so I think it was a different experience for them. Yeah. They were kind of. Um, they were kind of being handled, managed from the word go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, where someone's going, this could be the whole package. This right. could be the, the comic right. we can also do film or television. And Diane was just a flat out comic. Right. You know, and so she was there in a condo smoking cigars with the guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> going, how many
1: hits are you dropping? I'll drop three. Yeah. You know? right.
0: Well, here, yeah, but, but, but okay, with the, uh, here's a theory, though. Uh, on uh, Mention my theory humor is masculine, laughter is feminine. What does that mean? What the hell? I know. Is that? Why did you explain yourself? What does that mean? Well, the sound of laughter is a feminine sound, I believe. The sound of a mixed laugh room—it still, it's more feminine than masculine. If you really listen to laugh, if you take the female. Part of the laugh out, and just hear a room full of guys laughing. It doesn't yeah. sound right. Yeah, it sounds completely wrong. Sounds like wrong. someone's gonna die. Right,
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's <laughs>
0: exactly right. Uh, and so, 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 uh, yeah, we need women's laughs to make it.
1: all la- right It's almost a. Char- I read one time in a psychological but, journal that a smile. If you look at a dog, the only time a dog will show its teeth there are two reasons: if it's going to attack you, or if it's laying on its back and showing its teeth, which is. A, a sign of supplication uh-huh. that a smile
0: and gravity is just pulling its lips up well yeah, that but, yeah
1: but, but that a smile is actually a way of trying to fend off violence right that if you say you're going to kick my ass and I smile sure. and go hey man come on we are going to do that of for of course that, so then is laughter a form of supplication I don't know some laughter is but yeah. some laughter yeah, isn't
0: yeah 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 but yeah exactly but yeah just the, the whole idea of just a bunch of just a bunch of testosterone driven <laughs> laugh it's just sort of spooky <laughs> kind of
1: Here's I'm the crazy. here's the laugh that's always creepy. <laughs> <laughs> like you walk into a basement, goes is anybody here? Yeah. And a door cl- slams, and it's completely right. quiet, and you hear somebody going. Right. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's
0: put some oil on that. <laughs> um, and I say humor is masculine because the idea of humor or a joke or a snark or whatever, stating that something that's funny turning it upside down, you know how, you know, the, 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 the way we look at what causes humor. But that to me is a masculine thing. Women I don't think on the whole are programmed to see life like that. And so the ones that do are generally exceptions, but they have a part of their brain that is actually male dominated, I think. The funniest women are using a male part of their brain to come up with their humor and that's why it's funny because men will laugh at it too, women will laugh at it, because it has all of the ingredients to make funny. And usually when the days go by, people say, hey, men, women, those women aren't funny. Well, it's the same reason those dudes aren't funny. They don't have the whole process down of making funny. You know. And that's why. It's not, it's not gender-based. It's just having the ability to access that muscle in your brain that creates humor. See what I mean? Does that make sense I, at all? I hear what you're saying. Women are programmed to see life differently, is I have,
1: what I'm saying. I have a, um, I have a um, slightly different take on it. All right, take it. Okay, and my take is this, is that um, much like what we're seeing right now in uh, the presidential campaign, there's a lot to like or dislike, I assume, or suppose, about uh, both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. But Hillary Clinton also runs up against uh, a gender bias. Look, I, I've been on both sides of business for a long time. I remember... Uh, a friend of mine in Vegas goes, Tone. Any comics you want booked in my club? You let me know. And then, um, and I had some people I was handling, and, and I mentioned female comic. He goes, No, dude. I said comics. Huh? He goes, Women aren't funny. So this was right, th- right, this right, was right, a right. bias, that, and this was a bias right. that that permeated uh, the business for a long time. Sure. And I think that was more of a male bias. If what you're saying is true, and I'm I'm not I'm not saying that it is. I'm not saying that it isn't, but I'm I'm pretty much saying that it isn't. That women that it's a that humor is a uh, a comes from a masculine place. It may be more because of historically for a long time uh, the way uh, uh, gender was divided up. Women weren't allowed very to very access that absolutely. And now very, very, now, now that yeah, we're running into absolutely. now that we're we're entering into a space. And we're still only entering into sure, it where women are allowed to access to ex- that. To,
0: yeah, right, to go explore these things. To ex- yeah. yeah, right, All exactly. Look, if, if all comedy mm-hmm. comes
1: from from tragedy and pain and negativity, which is where all right. comedy comes That's from. That's sort of what I'm saying. Okay, then who has experienced more tragedy and comedy and pain historically than, than uh, uh, men or women? And since women have, it then becomes a societal thing of society changing its... Perce- it's like, you know, Chris Rock said this great thing about, about race. He goes, here are these people going, we've come a long way in race. We've come a long way with race. He goes, Well, who came the long way? We didn't have to come a long way. We were the ones being hung.
0: Okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's you who were you, hanging us. You had to go through all these different mental yeah. process changes to get to where you are, where you're comfortable with us. Yeah. You had to come a long yeah, way. Well, we've come,
1: a, we've come a, a long way. That's you know?
0: a gr- that's an g- excellent point. Yeah, it, it's like <laughs> that's an excellent point. I <laughs> love know, it. <laughs>
1: So, uh, well, it's like
0: know, Chappelle says about I don't get this Black Lives Matter. What a stupid name. How about Enough is Enough? Yeah. I mean, that's, i mean right with him on that. I'm just looking at shaking my, head. what? We're going to put a new title on this? How about Enough is Enough and stop it? You know,
1: you know, I, I work, <laughs> I work with, uh, um, um, that's beautiful, man. Oddly enough, um, not oddly, but I work with a lot of female comics, you know, and, and oddly. I fo- I, what what I mean is, is that, um, uh, it wasn't something I set out to do, you know, but I do, and I'm glad that I do it. And, uh, see, and I've seen somebody many Some of the funniest people I see developing in this city right now, uh, uh, and I'm talking about, you know, like at, at the beginning level, but you, if, you, if you've got an eye for it, and I have an eye either because I've been doing it for a long time, uh-huh. but I go, oh, this one, there's some real possibilities here. This one's a possibilities. Oh, here's the issue that this one has. If you see that, you know, the issue is not women being funny. The issue is right. the issue still that. is the perception of a large segment of society that won't accept women in certain roles, whether it's being a stand-up or running for president of the United States. Look, when you go to a Trump rally and they got and people are wearing t-shirts going, hang the bitch.
0: I've never been to a Trump rally, but... Um,
1: well, you know, and what's funny is, um, you know, I, I was going to go But to if one, you go, let me know, how I would, you know. I was thinking about going to one this Tuesday because I, w- I want to write an article called The New Fear and Loathing in Arizona. Because I'm sure that I could fit right in a Trump rally. I look like a Trump guy. I got long gray hair. I wear a baseball cap. I just go up there. I don't know.
0: You look like a you look like a tree hugging liberal to me. Either so, way, I
1: mean, <laughs> you know we look. Here's you want to hear something funny? I hope it's funny. I'm driving along on a 347 out of Maricopa one day about a month ago, and this guy kind of cuts me off, so I kind of cut him off, and I see that he's got a Trump bumper sticker. You know, And I pull up, and I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me. We're kind of both giving each – And I'm wearing a baseball cap. He's wearing a baseball cap. He's got long gray hair. I got long gray hair. He's got a white goatee. I got a, and all of a sudden, we both look at each other like, what?
0: I know, I know.
1: <laughs> brother. We're looking I at him. I haven't this, seen you in so long. Yeah, so um, –
0: But, yeah, well, I mean, but the, the point is you can't tell. You can't tell by looking at anybody what uh, wh- where their um, ide- ideology is anymore.
1: I can tell by the way they smile.
0: You can tell. <laughs> I guess you could, but, I can't. but on the whole – you really can't tell. Well, my point C- is this because a lot of people are are secretly yeah. holding their are are quietly holding their views. They're not actually out there expressing them. They have them but they're not expressing I, them outwardly due to a fear of retribution.
1: I don't I don't think I don't think there's a single Trump supporter Who's not outwardly expressing their views?
0: No, there's tons of them that aren't.
1: I, you know, and, if and they're the and all and, if, and
0: they're all confu- they're all confused Bernie people. Yeah. They're, they're, they are they they do not know which way to go, and they're, they're the ones who are f- very reluctant to th- say what they feel.
1: Then it's coming out of shame. So, uh, and if you get, hmm, I don't know about that. Maybe legitimate uh, shame. I think
0: they uh, no, they just look at are things su- that people can't otherwise see, are and they subs- and they just know if they bring are, it up, they're going to get in trouble, so they don't bring it up.
1: Are you subscribing to the the theory? That there is a vast group of Trump supporters that are not being noticed by polling; they're not being noticed. That I just watched
0: a thing by uh, you. Watch the Young Turks at all? Tank uh, Yuger?
1: Not a lot. I he's, a good, he's a good dude. I, yeah. I
0: like the way he plays the middle. But he goes out there and he's no, he hates Trump just like anybody, you know. I mean, he just, but he goes out to Ohio and he's just he's just talking into his cameras. Folks, I don't know what to tell you, man. I just look around here and these people are pissed. There are Trump signs everywhere. I can't do it. I mean, this is out in Ohio. I know, sure. I, I live in LA, New York. I only go to three places, DC, LA, New York. It's all this, that, hate Trump, hate Trump. But you go out in the rest of America, you are just gonna be shocked at what you see in here. You have people that are just angry. They are tired of the establishment. They want things to change. I don't see that. And, and what, right or wrong, that's what's going on out there. And he says this himself. He, I don't support this, but this is what I objectively sure. see happening. Michael Moore has said the same thing. Sure. And, and if you ignore these people, if you keep downplaying these people and calling them whatever they're called, they're going to rally even harder against you. That's the thing. People are not trying to unify with these people. They're trying to simply divide, conquer, call names, and make and then inflames them even more and it strengthens them even more, and they get even more upset. And that's where we have to pull this the other way. We have to accept our differences. We have to stop with this name calling. We level, have to stop with level, this. We have level, to
1: stop. When, when a guy comes up to me this and hatred,
0: goes, This hatred both ways is guy, insane to me.
1: When a guy comes up to me— and I'm in a position to be a kind of person that someone would feel comfortable having this conversation with. And says to me, "You know what? I just, I think, I hate black people. How am I supposed to unify with that?"
0: You don't. You hate. You don't unify with people unify, who hate black I people.
1: I can't unify. If somebody you goes, don't unify with that. If, if someone goes, you don't. If someone goes, I think that Hillary is, However, a, is a dirty. Hold on, hold on. I think that Hillary is a dirty lion bitch. How do I unify with that? I don't want to unify. You don't have to that.
0: unify with anything. You, don't well, want when you say it, But it doesn't mean you can't come to more understanding. It doesn't mean I, you can't still try to understand why people feel this way. And to clarify, it's never as cut and dry as I hate black people, by the way. It's never as cut and dry as some guy. I just hate black people. Oh, it's never that cut yes, and dry. It, it might be wrong and ill-informed, and they've come oh. to their conclusions by different ways. But they don't. No. No, no, no. no, no you, not on the whole. Not been, on the whole. You
1: ain't been where I've been. You know, buddy. no. I'm
0: not saying these people don't exist. But I have this argument with my mother all the time. If the people were as racist as. You think they are. We couldn't walk them. You, us Asian people, would not be able to walk down the street any day of the week and do whatever I want and never be bothered if it were that bad, if it were that I know it's out there, and I've heard it. I've had things said to me before, but if it were that bad, you could not get through your day.
1: Well, you know, you can't argue with that because that's an opinion. Well, no, that's just experience. That's your experience, experience, which is empirical. You know, and, sure, and it all counts. It's, it's like having your eyes closed and touching the ass of the elephant and trying to describe. But the this rest is of the not anger,
0: Rob. This is frustration. My friend Ron Morey says that humor comes from fr- uh, frustration yeah. and not anger. Look, and it's, that's, it's, that's it's, a key it's, point it's, in comedy. It's already
1: it's already kind of accepted that probably Ohio is is lost to uh, Hillary Clinton. You know, so uh,
0: I'm just saying you can't underestimate large groups of people. Like, whatever you agree or disagree, that's what they are. And if you get, if you ignore them, they're going to come back to bite you. And that's what he's saying. This yeah. looks like it's going to come back to bite us because we've been so pompous. Some we this, have been so pompous against these people that they just have nothing but sheer anger. And that's what he was saying. That and I. These I, are the same. That's what I notice as well. These, these are the same. I just agree with that the same, observation. These
1: are oftentimes the same people to believe in uh individual responsibility rugged individualism uh we don't want the government uh, we are these then, are
0: talking points i get it but th- this is going to wash right over those if you try to throw this at those people they're gonna i don't know what the hell you're talking about all i want is my job back all i want yeah, but that is my, job
1: ain't coming but back. i
0: know but but the point is that's what they're thinking and you have to understand that's what they're thinking if you talk over them like that then you're not they're never going to get that unification That drives them farther apart, and that's what's the problem in this country
1: right now. How do you, you, Bob Kubota, recommend that we unify? How do we get into this conversation? Anyway,
0: but anyway, no, no, those are my recommendations.
1: How do we unify with someone who is... Uh, you have to, a strain of racism in them. No, no, no. I have to anger realize and that we have
0: survived all of these years with these same people around us all this time until this recent day where we come and we start hating each other. We've always been here together. We've always no, we done what we've done. No, yes, we have. You've been here for the last 10, 20, 30 years. Same people around you, but now they're giving you reason to hate those people. These That's are it. the people you go to the store. You buy. They wash your car. They, I'm just saying. It's just. It's. They're trying to make you hate what's already around you and has been fine. I've been fine with it.
1: That's what I'm saying. So it's really media driven, really. It's not media-driven about it? I'm fine with it. It, 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 it it's it's allowing yeah. the space to take place. No, no, no,
0: but they're drawing but, but for people developing lines like this in between in these hate groups and they said they call these people this thing and then I saw the other one where this dude got went into the Hillary rally and he got chased out. He almost got killed yesterday. Just for wearing that, you know, doing the typical, I'm going to walk in and see what they do. And that's what mm-hmm. they did. But I'm just saying this is insane. The, everybody is insane, Tony. Everybody is out of their minds with their agendas. And they're not doing this. They're doing this. And that's the problem in this country. Now, next point. Whoa. Wow, that's a story joke. How there about setup and punchline? <laughs> that's That was my point. <laughs> What's better, set up and punchline or a long-winded rant like that?
1: Set up and punch Exactly. Mm -hmm. Always wins, right? Remember that.
0: Get to the joke quickly. Otherwise, you're going to divide people. And we're trying not to divide. We're trying to unite. Can
1: I tell you my theory? Um... You know, I'll, I'll be much more divisive on a show like this than I will with a, a in a comedy club because of with a show like this. You well, I would too. Yeah. Well, that's no, whole... but, but I there was time. <laughs> look I walked into a, a Kurt Matthews reminds me that I walked into a bar in Twin Falls, Idaho, on a Wednesday night where we got booked into it. Uh-huh. They had a big Confederate flag on the back of the wall, and I just tore into it. I go, "You got any other loser flags you want to put up? <laughs> you want to put up some Chicago Cub fans? That's hilarious. Yeah, but that's yeah, comedy. But the people got visibly upset." Kurt said, he goes, I didn't know if we were getting out of there a lot. Right, right,
0: right. You might as well have said anything. Uh,
1: but what I do, is if, I want now, um, if I want to make a point, I want to make sure that I do it in a way that will, even people who might disagree with my point will still be able to laugh along with me. Sure.
0: That's what good comedy People
1: is. come to comedy clubs to laugh. Correct. Now, they might listen to this to listen. Is laughter
0: a prerequisite? Or does it It's just a stupid audience? They're just stupid. What do you mean? I'm just saying, if they don't laugh, it's because they're stupid.
1: Well, my theory is- I'm saying that's the arrogant uh,
0: comedian view. No, no. The new new version of comedy. uh, Yeah, you got to blame the audience when you're not funny.
1: My my theory is if it didn't go well, it may very well be variables that were out of my control that evening. But instead of me then just accepting that, I go, what could I have done to change any of those variables? I did a show not too long ago where when I walked in, I went, this is going to be bad. Not horrible bad, just bad- Because I was told it was one thing. It was something else. Um, There was two hours of tear-jerking testimony. It was classic. And then, and and now the food's going to come out, and now a comedian. So, (laughs) and it was just a din. It was so, I go, there's no way. But I walked out of there not going, those people, this and that. I go, all right, what I have to do when I do one of these shows the next time. I looked at what I could do to improve the situation. And I think by doing that, you're going to help yourself as an artist, Mm -hmm. as opposed to going, that audience sucked. Right. Sure, that's my theory.
0: Well, uh, again, it's a, is that a new school, old school thing? I think it's sort of old school thing. I think, I think it's a
1: successful th- school thing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but, but the funny thing is, it's always it's always full of like all this, these uh, sort of this uh, hypocrisy paradox kind of thing because they always talk about that. You know, uh, one guy. Now, if you go out and get la- big laughs, you're a road hack. Yeah. But this guy goes on and gets big laughs because he's a genius. Yeah. Wait, what's the difference between the big laughs? And, but you know that kind of thing, and I've seen it happen all the time. Well, just because yeah, you got the big laughs, but this guy's doing real, and he's maybe not getting the big laughs, but he's. But I'm just saying, but but all the guys that are stars, fucking murder. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're Louis C. I mean, I'm saying they get their crowd murder. and they murder. They murder. I mean, it's just like Look, get, no, What permeates a certain. There's no in between there.
1: A certain level of the developing class of comics is. Because it's so painful to ask for a laugh and not get a laugh, right. it's a painful experience. It's
0: easier to go with, well, I didn't want your laugh anyway. I didn't anyway. want your
1: laugh anyway. It's not just about laughs. laughs. You know what people yeah, you know, when people say it's not just about laughs, I go, Well I didn't want your laugh, right? Anyway. What about what about what we about, all came you know, here what, about, not they go, what we they go, wanted. Comedy should make a point. I go, Do you like the three stooges? You go, Oh yeah. And I go, Well, what was the point of the three stooges? They was just stupidity, but it was hilarious stupidity. Well, that was the point. Yeah. <laughs> so I can accept comics to just go up there and be goofy. I can accept Larry the Cable Guy. I d I don't agree with any of Dan's uh, political leanings at all. But I think he's I I I think he's funny, I don't care who you are. At the same time, I can watch Louis C.K. and go, this guy is brilliant, and laugh at the same time. Here's the real test, okay? There's, like everybody will say that they think Bill Hicks is a genius, and I love Bill. He was my friend. And I go, yeah, which joke did you laugh at the hardest? Because sometimes there's that desire to be cool, mm. you'll say you like stuff that doesn't really affect mm-hmm. you because yeah. you think that's what a cool person yeah. likes. To me,
0: his Jim Fix bit had me doubled over. I listened to it several times on the album. I just had to replay it and replay it Yeah, and replay it. Yeah. yeah, running on a Dewey track at dawn and the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was the
1: way he would lay it Yeah, up. yeah, 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 yeah. His, yeah. his bit about that hating double, John... Doubled over. Yeah. Hating John Davidson, about how John Davidson would be... Um, uh, Anally probed by uh, Satan himself, oh, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> then and then John Davidson, yeah, and then shit up. <laughs> Love of, the reference, yeah. The evil brood <laughs> of mediocrity, <laughs> Tiffany, the new kids on the block. Was I would I I remember laughing so hard I was in pain and watching people leave the room in anger. Oh yeah, and other people moving forward to take mm. their seats.
0: Yes, the yeah that uh. San Diego Improv. He told he said F Jesus. He just brought to the point. Just F Jesus, mm-hmm. and I got to watch him walk well three quarters of the room.
1: Yeah manager yeah.
0: standing there with a handful of cash just handing it back to people as they, <laughs> as they walk out the, he's laughing uh, that's how comedy used to be yeah yeah the, the the club owner was laughing returning money yeah and couldn't wait to get bill back yeah, That's when you know you're a comedian. Well, he had a $7 million. No matter how bad it goes, <laughs> yeah. they want you back. He had a
1: $7 million trust fund, too, that particular owner. Oh, okay, well, that's, <laughs> that's probably why. You know, buddy, we got to wrap it up. All we're right. we're running into it.
0: Last piece of advice for young comics, do other things besides comedy, and if you want to make it big, start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, you guys. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Thank Shirley. You, Thank Bobby. you, Rob. Bye-bye. <laughs>